Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Toby Carr. He's a friend of mine who had a spinal surgery at the age of 26. And this this process from, you know, feeling sore and getting the surgery took place within about a month and a half. So we delve deep into the mental state before, during and after the surgeries, you know, how he was feeling, finding out that he might become a paraplegic, finding out the, you know, the risks and all of that sort of stuff to the recovery process, how to deal with not being able to lift more than two kilograms and all of that sort of stuff. We, we talk about the need for support, the need for um, you know, therapy in your life and how to sort of deal with such a major setback and still move forward and still make something of your life and move beyond the identity of being, quote, the guy that's had spinal surgery. Towards the end of the podcast, we talk about writing, the writing process, using writing as a form of therapy, and then we get into Toby's most recent blog about personal protection. It's it's a bit of a political discussion about some current affairs that are happening right now, but I think the key is is that if we look at current events with a nuance and look go beyond the black and white sort of shallow approach and go deep on issues, we'll come to a greater understanding of them, because only by going deep can we really explore all the different aspects. I think you'll really enjoy this podcast. It was great to listen to and discuss with Toby and to get a bit of a follow-up to the Share Your Story post that he did a year ago. I'll chuck the links to that story and all of the links that I mentioned in throughout the interview below. So yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. Thanks. So I've got Toby here on the podcast. A little while ago, about a year ago, you wrote a Share Your Story piece entitled Spinal Surgery at Age 26. Um, now just to give a bit of backstory, we are training, we, we trained at Krav Maga together and then mm-hmm. we, or we are doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu together. Mm-hmm. And then all of, a, me at this point, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden you had to stop training very abruptly mm-hmm. because of the aforementioned, aforementioned spinal surgery. So mm-hmm. let's just, um, give a little bit of, uh, story or backstory into that and go from there. Go from yeah. there yeah. So, uh, yeah, I woke up with what? Felt like a severe trapped hair on my left side. Um, I've torn muscles before. This was un- unlike anything I'd ever felt though. Uh, the pain didn't subside and it started to move around my back. Uh, so I went to the doctor a few times. Um, third visit to the doctor, he decided it was time to order an MRI. Uh, he ordered the MRI for me on a Monday. I got it on a Tuesday. Friday morning, he called me up at 9am and was like, I need you in here now. Uh, got there about 11am. And he said, he, he essentially called me in and said that I had a disc extrusion at C6, C7, which is like the bottom of your neck. Now, what an extrusion is, is it's a, a hole in your disc. It's not a bulge. And the, the spinal fluid, the, the disc fluid in the disc leaks into your spinal cord. Uh, so at this point, basically a quarter of my spinal cord was, was disc fluid. Um, so, so what's the risk of, of that moving forward from there? Any small bump, like a whiplash in a car accident, falling over, hitting hitting a rock, could land me in a wheelchair. So, like, like if you trip up, you could be in a wheelchair. Essentially, like, yeah, that's, the, that's the danger. No one knows exactly specifically what the risks are, but that's the that's the total risk. Um, the unusual thing about this specific specific injury is that it's normally caused by compression, and I, from what I can recall, the only compressions I've ever felt were were getting stacked in jujitsu, for instance. Yeah. But I, there was no incident that was like that's an injury like that's where I did yeah. it yeah like there's no way to know how I actually did this so so so, so you just had the pain went and saw the doctor all yeah. of a sudden you now need spinal surgery and exactly. what was the what was the progression of the pain onset to seeing the doctor to getting the surgery like how, how much of a time difference was that probably I can't remember exactly probably between five and six weeks five and six so, weeks yeah I probably 
as you know, we all ignore injuries from time to time. I probably ignored it to a to a degree for a while, but there was one morning specifically where I woke up, I was like, shit, something's wrong. Something's, like, you got to do yeah, something. Yeah, I got to do something about this. So it was probably from that point to actually seeing a my, my GP, him calling me back in and being like, there's an issue, was probably about three weeks, three or four weeks. And then the period from... He, he then sent me that eve afternoon to a neurosurgeon who then called in another neurosurgeon and then I called another neurosurgeon. So I spoke to three neurosurgeons that day. Um, from that point in time to actually getting surgery was probably another three or four weeks. So within about, let's say like a month and a half, yeah. you've gone from a bit of pain to getting the surgery done. Being in the operating theater. Being in the operating theater. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, I was training with you during that time, mm. but obviously there would be that massive... I couldn't imagine the the change of emotions that would go through. I imagine it would be something akin to potentially like almost... I've heard that people when they go through an injury or suffer a disability or a loss, it's similar to like a grieving process in the sense you need to grieve for for what you can and can't do or grieve for the potential. And obviously there was a change that had to happen in your life at least in that short term and then moving forward, there's that unknown. And, you know, you get spinal surgery, it might fix it or you might wake up quadriplegic the first thing i did when i woke up from the anesthesia and i saw right. I, remember, I remember clearly doing this is i looked down at my feet and wiggled my toes thank god like <laughs> that was the first thing I did. even though the neurosurgeon specifically said to me i'm not going to cut your spinal cord like he was very reassuring he was actually well, a great neurosurgeon see see i, I like the reassurance yeah. like you, you don't want him to be like oh you know i might yeah but <laughs> things go that, wrong if you're that close <laughs> who knows yeah exactly uh, exactly so what I want to drill down upon a little bit, if you're comfortable, is the, you know, like the fact that you're 26. It's not, this isn't something that strikes me as a young person's um, issue. Not not that like, I, I say that and then now I'm thinking about it. Like if, if someone's 50, 60, 70, 80, the thought of quadriplegia is still terrifying. Yeah, it's still horrifying. But it just feels, it feels subjectively a bit more intense for mm. someone younger. The only word I can, I can think of is terrifying. Like... I like words and I like their impact, but like, it just sums it up. Like I remember leaving the neurosurgeon and I look, well, I was actually sitting in there and I, I asked him what the worst case scenario was and his immediate reaction didn't even think his immediate reaction was worst case scenario is that you'll lose the use of, use of your legs and have limited use of your hands and arms. Power like around. just straight away. That's what he said. And I was like, okay. From the surgery or from a lack of surgery? Was that... No, just worst case. Anything, surgery or not surgery, worst case scenario is that that could happen. Um, I think I'd asked him in the context of not getting the surgery, but that's Mm. the worst... Either way, that was the worst case scenario. So so were you tempted to just knock, like, sort of like, not not necessarily head in the sand, but like, maybe, maybe actually, no, two questions. Yeah. Was there the head in the sand going, I'm just not going to address this? And then secondly... When you did decide to address it, were you contemplating not getting the surgery? There was maybe an hour of like, as soon as he said, said that, I was like, okay, can I call my mum? <laughs> um, and then he called in another neurosurgeon. We had a discussion and I left um, under the pretext of calling them later that, that, that afternoon to either book it in or not book it in. And it was probably an hour of me being like, this isn't happening. Like, <laughs> I can ignore this. I can train through this. This will be fine. Um, called my mum, called my two housemates at the time who were both doctors. Oh, lucky. Um, yeah. And then I called one of my housemates, one of my former housemates, dad's is a big shot, a big shot consultant down in Frankston. So I called him as well. So I spoke to like, overall, I spoke to like seven doctors or something ridiculous. Um, and after talking to all of them, there was really only one choice and that was to get the surgery. If I wanted to be pain-free 
and live a relatively normal life, I couldn't do that without the surgery. I would have been in constant pain. And there's the risk of, I think they call it nerve death, where if you have a specific injury that's impacting nerves for too long, even if you later get the, the, the cause fixed, the nerves will still be feeling that pain. So it's almost like, like a phantom limb yeah, sort of problem. Yeah, like a phantom okay. limb. So like, if I wanted it fixed, I needed to do it then. And yeah, so yeah. I did. So, so yeah, an hour of yeah. contemplating avoidance. Pretty and much, then yeah. look, um, now that it's a year later down the track, mm. what are you still impacted by the injury? I mean, I know there's some positions with jiu-jitsu that you have to avoid because you don't want to be placed in a funny angle. Yeah, more out of fear though, I think. Yeah? Um, yeah, so... I had the surgery. Three months later, I had a follow-up with a another neurosurgeon who was just doing... He was like a registrar. He was just doing the follow-up check. Um, and he was like, yeah, you're, you're good to go. I mean, I've had football players who have had this injury and gotten back on the field, and you can pretty much do whatever you want. Nice. I was like, okay. So I asked him if there was any risk. They're like, the only risk is that you have a 10% increased chance of having the exact same injury above and below that specific joint. Okay. Um, and I was like all right, so it's something to be aware of. And he's like, yeah, try not to get stacked in jiu-jitsu, but if you do, you're probably going to be okay. So I think... 10% all, isn't the biggest. Isn't the biggest. Yeah. Now, when you're thinking about percentages, yeah. um, it's not the biggest. So I think more than anything, the fear is mental. Um, I definitely have moments on the mat where I'll just tap because I'm like, I don't want to be in that position. I understand that. <laughs> um, yeah. What about um, just in regular life? Has it has On a day-to-day basis now, are you... Do you have any sort of fears or do you compromise? Do you feel compromised in some positions or just in everyday life? Not in everyday life. It hasn't really impacted just how I go about my day specifically. Um, the only way it's really impacted me is that I feel like I'm now the guy who's had spinal surgery. That, that's what I wanted to address. In, <laughs> in one of your blogs, um, blog posts, you talked about being, quote, the guy that had spinal injury. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I want to get into, but... It's, it's basically around identity. And, and we talked a little bit about this before recording, but I, f- I find when people go through something, they, for example, if they've got a mental health concern like depression, anxiety, or they've gone through something like you've gone through, or, you know, potentially like, you know, their partner broke up with them or they got cheated on or, you know, something happened. Mm. They, they go one of two ways. They either sort of, they, they let that thing become their identity or they use it as like a, a growth point or a stepping stone. Mm. So I, that, that idea of you became the guy that had the spinal surgery, I just wanted to sort of, I guess, get your, get your feelings on, but what does that actually involve? Yeah, 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 <laughs> so for like, sure. what is it yeah. like to be that guy? Yeah. And then also, how do you, how do you not, I'm not sure the best wording here, but I suppose play the victim and sort of go, hey, I had spinal surgery, so like, How you do know. I not do that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because I, I know from personal experience, when I was in a, a less strong state, I would sort of divert back to, oh, well, I've got, you know, mental health, I've yeah. had these problems, so it's pity me. It's so easy to be like, I can't do that, I had spinal surgery. Like, you know. Um, I think, talking about identity and stuff, I think the hardest part for me was that immediately after the, sur- the surgery, I was so convinced that I'd be like, all right, 12 weeks on the couch. I can do that. Play a lot of video games, relax a lot, and then I'm back. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the mats. And I did do that to a degree. I, I, I spent however long it was on, I think I spent six weeks total on actual bed rest. Like I wasn't allowed to, to lift more than a kilogram. Ugh. 
Um, oh, like, God. Like my girlfriend. How much does your phone weigh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, literally, my housemates were cooking for me. They were cleaning up after me. My girlfriend was... The thing is, milk is two kilograms. Yeah, yeah. I can't pour milk into my coffee. That's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, it's it's yeah. amazing how much it impacts your life. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of people looking after me. And I was convinced that after I recovered, after 12 weeks, I'd be back on the mat. I'd be good as new. I'd be training full speed straight away. I think that's where I... I sort of let myself down a bit. So I, I built was, up some expectations. I was, I was building up the expectations way too much. And then as soon as I got back on the mat, I was in pain. Like I'd, I'd, I'd train and I'd get through it, but I'd wake up in pain. And that's scary when you've, when you've just had surgery. So like that post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Um, and I warned you before we did this, that I might cry. So just, <laughs> um, didn't get the tissues. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's so, I sort of brought it upon myself, really, having that sort of, that impact on my identity, becoming that guy who had spinal surgery and then using it as an excuse. Um, I mean, it is an excuse to some, like, this is to this some is the, degree, the, 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 yeah, the, yeah. like, the nuance of it. Obviously, there are things you can and can't do, and there yeah. is that recovery process and all of that stuff aside. Yeah. But there is that balance between, you know, and like, later on, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this, about mm. the idea of perfectionism versus just getting stuff done. Because mm. it all sort of relates is, how much do you... Like uh, you seem, you strike me as someone that wants to get stuff done yeah. and you want to like sort of get after it, so to speak. Yeah. However, you've now got this thing that you can't, yeah. you know, the, the thing that you have to do to, 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 to get better is nothing. Yeah. Like the best thing you can do for yourself is nothing. And then yeah. you go to do something and you cause pain and you're sitting there like, mm. Mm, did I actually help or hinder myself? Yeah. 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 And the scary, like the scary thing about the whole identity thing is that I have, I've, I've let myself become that guy and as a result I'm letting it impact myself like I'm the one who's who's like who's stopping myself from being okay with doing things and I, it scares me that I've let myself become that guy do you find are you finding that you're getting better at sort of you know, because fear, fear is a, a reflex that helps us, right? Yeah. It, it helps you to, like, because, you know, your body's like, fuck, fuck, no. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want this to happen again. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, how do you find the balance between sort of letting go of that fear in a comfortable pace without throwing yourself in the deep end too much? I haven't found that balance yet. That's, that's where I'm at now. It's, it's, it's working through that, that position of being, of, of essentially... Not only letting myself down, but letting my friends down. Um, getting through that that place of I had spinal surgery. Now that's what I identify as. I identify as the guy who had spinal surgery. It's who I am. How do I not be that guy anymore? Yeah. How do I be the guy who had has had spinal surgery, but is also back on the mats training five days a week, who has had spinal surgery, but can get up in the morning and go for a run <laughs> who has had spinal surgery, but is actually okay doing squats again. Like I can, I can physically do them. Yeah. Cause I remember just prior to this, maybe this is the compression, Maybe, but um, knows, yeah. you were, you were getting your, um, you're getting quite good at the squats and getting 150 for five. I hit. Yeah. That's yeah. well beyond what I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I think I was at on, on bench press. I was like 85 for five. I was so close to a hundred getting strong yeah it shits me that i couldn't didn't quite make it to 100 before i did my back so are you finding that you're seeing an improvement or are you finding now that a year's a year has gone past that your sort of your mental health is deteriorating how 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 is that about that side of things because obviously it's all the physical side 
the doctors are saying you're fine mm. and you're, you're acknowledging that you're worried about stuff based on a fear-based approach, mm. ba- basically, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah. you know, multiple reasons for that. And then, you know, as, as we all know, mental health is linked to, you know, what you're doing physically, your mental state, your social environment, what you eat, like the whole, it's yeah, all, it's, it's all pack, connected. It's yeah. So with that in mind, how would you say your mental health is now with all of this happening? This, in, in relation to how it was just after the surgery, um, I think I was, just after surgery, immediately following the surgery, I was angry that I was sitting on a couch. Yep. So shortly after that, I was deluded thinking that I could potentially be training jiu-jitsu full speed again six months, like six months after. 12 months out, I've had the, um, I, I've, I've gone through the, I, what I would, would probably class as the biggest trough and now I'm climbing out again. Um, what that looks like is that I've spent months eating like crap. I have hardly exercised. I think you've seen me at the gym like three or four times in the last three months. Sounds, sounds um, probably a bit <laughs> yeah. um, I haven't been doing, doing any sort of lifting. Um, my girlfriend struggles to get me out of there, has to walk. Uh, and she gets really frustrated when all I want to do is spend time at home on the couch because that's what's comforting. Yeah, of course. Um, being acutely aware of that now, it does make it easier to identify the things I need to change and start changing them. But that's a super slow process. And that's something that I've only identified in the last three or four weeks. Like, as something that is overall detrimental and is going to be hard to change and will be slow to fix, but needs to be done. What steps are you taking? I started running. Yep. The most basic form of exercise. I used to think running was bad for you. Swear to God. <laughs> yeah, no. There's, there's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, used to, like, I used to think it was horrible for you. But it's so easy to do 10 minutes around the block. Quick jog around the block. Yeah, around the block. Uh, quick jog. It's so easy to chuck on a pair of runners and just get after it. Uh, straight up, I get shin splints so bad. <laughs> yep. So there's like my first physical hurdle that's not related to my back at all. Um, so I've had to slow down on that a little bit. Um, second thing is intermittent fasting. I feel my best when I'm intermittently fasting, even if I'm eating not that great. So like in 12, hour, 12 hour window? I, I use an eight hour window. Eight hour window, yeah. yeah. And generally in the morning, generally I'll start, I'll get up. But my ideal day is getting up, having a glass of water before I drink coffee because otherwise I'm just drinking coffee straight away. Some sort of healthy, pro, high protein, high fat breakfast. Um, and then I will probably only have one other meal in that eight hour window. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they're both big meals. My breakfast is huge, and then whatever I have for lunch is massive as well. And then I'm fine in the evening. Once, once I get into that swing, like I, I, I'm not hungry. I feel great. I don't feel bloated. Um, and that is enough to make me mentally feel like, oh, okay, I just achieved something. Like I just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a win. Yeah, it's a small yeah. win, but it's a win for sure. I, I like that, as, that approach. Like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll suggest to people, like, you know, like do... Yeah, you know, like it's been suggested by so many people, like a yeah, you know, that would be like make your bed in the morning or go for that short run. Or, yeah, that famous general. Or like yeah, 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 video, yeah, yeah. Just, just do do that one thing, and it sets just sets your day up for success and getting those small wins. Yeah, you've started writing a blog. Yeah. Um. So I want to talk talk about um how writing's helped. Um. Have, have you spoken to a therapist, like a psychologist, psychiatrist, sort of thing? Yeah, unfortunately, my I was seeing a psychologist years ago before this entire this whole thing happened, and unfortunately, he's retired. Um, how dare they? How dare they? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where he lives. God damn it! <laughs> um, 
And I did see another one briefly. I only saw him like two or three times. And that was... After the... after the, Yeah, this yeah. is in the last 12 months. This was towards the end of last year, I think I saw... Oh, no, start of this year. It would have been January, February. Um, and I only saw him two or three times at my girlfriend's urging because she was really starting to worry about me. Um, and he wasn't that great. And you know how hard it is to find a, a yeah. good psychologist yep. or a good therapist. I, I always say, like, they're just people. Yeah. Just like you've had... Good teachers and bad teachers that you loved and hated, exactly. and other people loved and hated the ones you didn't like. Yeah, keep searching. It's really hard to find one that you, you, you click with is is almost impossible. Uh, but this dude was so he wasn't great, but he was okay enough that he gave me the tools I needed to to start fixing myself. He reminded me of the things that my old psychologist reminded uh, taught, taught me years ago, um, and that was enough for me to be like, all right, well, the things I need to do are simple, like writing again. Um, Basic exercise, basic meditation, uh, all that stuff is hard to get into your life, but once it's there, it's easy to maintain. Like the habit building yeah, is the, the hard thing, building, but once you get it once in... Once you it's... get it there, it's easy to maintain. Like with writing, for instance, like I've only just started this blog, um, and I spent all morning before I came here writing, and it was easy to... Because that's something that I really want to do now, and something's in my life, it's easy to sit there and just, just tool away at it, just start with a blank page and see where I end up. And that sense of accomplishment when you finish it, even if it's not that good, when you finish writing whatever you're writing, you click publish and it's there. It is amazing. Like I've just created something out of nothing. It's out of my head. It's now on, on a website. I achieved something for today. I'm done. I'll go and eat a pizza now. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you've said it a couple of times. So I want to drill down upon it. It's, it's the sense of achievement. Yeah. So, so what, I, what I'm hearing is, is, is that, you want to be able to say or end the day or end the session or end, you know, a period of time with I've achieved this thing. Yeah, for sure. So what, what counts as an achievement? Uh, I think that's relative. I think that's relative to the person. Uh, for, for me, sure. um, an achievement is something that benefits me in the long run. Yep. Even if it's small, like making your bed, even if you just make your bed, um, or doing a lot of washing. You know, I've achieved something for today. Cleaning the house, that's an achievement. Um, I've just gotten into wargaming. Painting miniatures is definitely an achievement because it takes hours. I, I can't stand <laughs> it. I, yeah, yeah, I understand um, that. <laughs> yeah. Anything that benefits me in the long run is an achievement. Yep. If I decide to spend the day sitting on the couch watching TV and then order takeaway for dinner, I haven't achieved anything. Yeah, that's and, what you're saying. And once you've done that for weeks or months on end, it really starts to weigh on you. <laughs> Um, and, and after that, small wins mean a lot. Do you find achievements compound? For sure. Yeah. So you get, you get one thing done that gives you this momentum to get the next thing done, next thing done. hundred percent. So then when, let's say you have a, for something happens, right? You know, something bad happens, like you need spinal surgery, for example, and it takes you a while to come back, come back into the, um, into the groove. But, um, being a bit more serious, I mean, well, let's say like, you know, something happens, mm. life happens, uh, you have a bad mental health day, whatever, mm. and you just, you know, you do nothing. You don't have an achievement day. Yeah. How do you, how do you get back into the groove and... And start achieving again? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think it depends on what you haven't achieved. So... Let's say I'd spend one day on the couch doing nothing and eating takeaway. All right, tomorrow I'm going to at least walk around the block. You know, that's enough for me to be like, all right, well, I stuffed up yesterday, but I'll get back until tomorrow. 
spend doing that for months and months and months, it's harder to be like, oh, I have to walk around the block. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, it's harder to get you yourself out of that rut mentally. Um, so I think it's definitely relative to, to where you're at, where you're at. Yep. But for me, the things that tend to get me out of the rut, the easiest are are simple things like, all right, I'm going to eat in this eight hour window today and that's it. Yep. It's easy to do. I'll just be like, all right, I had a coffee at eight. I now have till 4 PM to to feed myself. If I don't feed myself correctly, I'm going to be hungry in the evening, but that's life, whatever. Um, walking around the block, which is something my girlfriend loves doing. I don't understand why walking's a thing, but whatever. Um, walking around a block, that's an achievement. So that's easy to do. And if your girlfriend drags you out of the house, then you're probably going to do it. Yep. <laughs> um, it's the simple things. And the simpler, the better. When when you're stuck in a big rut, the simpler, the better. It, it really, it's easy to get you out of there, in theory. In theory. Look, I, I appreciate this because my, my mental health goes up and down. And, yeah. you know, I'm not facing recovery from a spinal surgery. With this being that you're the spinal surgery guy, yeah. um, <laughs> I want to get back to that. Yeah. But I find that for me personally, I like the idea of noticing your warning signs. So I notice that when I'm about to get, you know, I'll, I, I notice the things that will happen to my mental state when an, a depressive or an anxiety episode is coming on. So I'll do specific things to take action to stop that. And one of those will be resting. One of those will be doing this, right? Yeah. But then... I realized I went would go too far the 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 sort of protecting myself way and I would stop doing stuff. Yeah. So I you know I'm trying to get a lot done, I'm trying to exercise daily, and do, yeah, do the whole yeah. thing, write books, get heaps of stuff done. So now now my now my battle is is battling between the feeling of like am I being lazy? Mm. Am I recovering from mental illness or is something else happening? Yeah. Do you, or like you know it's sort of trying to find that balance between between like just slacking off and mm. drive and recovery. Mm, the, re- sure. the reason I want to say this is because you're you, you you're struggling with how, how can I put this? <laughs> you want to get that attainment, that that achievement for the day. Yeah. How how do you know if you're pushing yourself too hard? How do you know if if the win for the day is that you need to rest? If that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. Because cause over the long term, you could go, I need to rest, I need to rest, I need to rest. And then, yeah. like you said, a month later, you've now rested for all that time and you feel like a lazy slob. Yeah. Even though you needed the rest at the time and you look back, you know, how do you... Yeah, I get what you're saying. There's so... You're right about there being two ends of the spectrum, like one being way too lazy to protect yourself or whatever, and one being way too active and actually hurting you. For me, if I'm doing too much, if I'm caring too much... I get angry. Caring about what, sorry? Anything. If I'm if I'm caring about work or achieving things for the day or doing too much, if I if I over if I overexert myself in any way, I start to get angry. If I don't, if I if I'm the other end of the spectrum where I'm being too lazy and eating junk food and all that sort of stuff, I don't tend to get angry, but I will get to a point where I'm feeling flat. You could call it sad. You could call it depressed. Uh, and I want to be alone. So I've definitely, like, for me, that's the balance. It's where do I find the point in between wanting that alone time, being, like, being in a point of solitude and not being too active or... Anger. Yeah, and, yeah. So so it's finding the balance between sort of anger, anger and lethargy. And yeah. if, if you're sort of like got, got a introspective ability, you mentioned meditation and that sort of stuff yeah. before, but basically 
you go, I'm feeling quite angry now. I've pushed yeah. it too far or yeah. I'm feeling quite sad, depressed, whatever that feeling yeah. is. I need, I need to push. Yeah. I like that approach because I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to find that balance myself as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's, sure. it's, it's this, this, this thing that's, a, you know, it's a trying to pin down a constantly moving spectrum. But when you can, you hit that stride where you're, you're getting enough done, you're getting stuff done, you feel good, but yeah. you're not overtraining. The interesting th- thing for me is if that, if I do too much and get angry, I immediately shoot down to, to doing yeah. nothing. I, I spoke to a psychologist about yeah. exactly that. I found that when I was in a good place, I would, take on more responsibility, take on more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And yeah. then my energy would just not be able to keep up with that constant growth of more For responsibility. Sure. And then boom, I drop. Yeah. And now not only am I dropping the mental state, I feel bad because, or guilt or whatever, because I've taken all these responsibilities that I can no longer manage. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like, you know, the, um, the saying, this too shall pass. Mm. I find I have to l- listen to that more for when I'm in a good place than for when I'm in a bad place. I know that my depression won't last forever. Yeah. But it feels like when I'm feeling great that it will last forever. Yeah. I Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so, so for me, it's like, it's That's like you're feeling good. I've got yeah. a, a. This won't necessarily last, and I want it to yeah. last. And you know, me, I want to like you know put everything in place to keep trending upwards. But I know on that upward trend that I'm having, and that mm. you know you you seem to be having as well. You're gonna have those downward spikes, and if you don't, yeah, balance that, it's yeah. gonna. There's always gonna be peaks and troughs. I've actually never thought about it like that. I've actually never thought about thinking of, of the highs as being something that will pass. Yes, that's probably a really healthy way to look at it. I, 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 it's, it's more that I don't know. I'm, I've read a lot of Eastern philosophy and Buddhism, and they talk about the yeah. middle way. Yeah, and yeah. like it seems to apply in every bit of life. You don't want to be too low, but my God, if you're too high, you're now manic, and yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's part of the reason why I'm, you know, you're drinking coffee, I'm drinking water, is because exactly. any any upper, um, any stimulant based thing. If I have a half of your coffee, I would be jittering and yeah. through the roof, and it just I feel great for a bit, and then it's just then too much. Come straight down again. Yeah, but you know. My wife, we have, uh, Maria has three different types of coffee and she's probably off to get another coffee now. She's already had three coffees. It's, she's addicted to it. So each to their yeah, own, it's, I suppose. It's definitely my addiction for sure. Um, I wanted to just get, just dig into writing a little bit more. Sure. You've started a blog. Yep. Do you want to um, just give out your web address and spruik yourself a bit and then um, we yeah, can talk about sure. it? Yeah, sure. So my, my website's tobydcar.com. Car with two R's, so T O B Y D C A R R dot com, and also Toby D Car on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I like it. Simple, easy. <laughs> I think I'm going to be able to remember my name for at least for a while. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the blog came. Very, You're calling it Consider This, yeah. I'm calling it Consider This, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which was taken as a URL. So that's that's so, fine. Yeah. Stuff it. You blog, can still claim it. Yeah. Blog <laughs> blog's called Consider This until that that URL. Uh, you're coming, yeah, whoever considered this, you're coming for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the blog came as a product of the, the therapist I was talking about earlier this year. It came very delayed <laughs> after talking to him. Um, he suggested I start writing. Uh, that was January, February. It's now June and I've just started writing. So, you know, better late than never. Um, and it's come as a product of, of a person who is, is very much a perfectionist it's something that allows me to just get stuff done. It's very, it, like, I find writing, I used to find writing something that was very internal and I kept it to myself and I wrote and no one could read it because I didn't want anyone criticizing it and it was never any good anyway, so why would anyone want to read it? I then turned writing into something that was like, all right, I'm just going to write something. Just whoever wants to read it can. I don't really care. I'm going to put some th- thoughts on the page. That's what I'm thinking done next one 
it's very easy for me to not look at writing as perfect because it's so malleable. So there's so many stylistic choices. I mean, grammar's a thing, um, but even that, you can, there's a bit of poetic license there and the interpretation for sure. So for me, it's a way to, to achieve something that isn't perfect and that doesn't weigh me down. So it's, it's to, you, you don't like the aspect of being, having to be too much of a perfectionist sure. and writing allows you to accomplish something, but not be perfect with it. Exactly. Fits all, ticks all boxes. Exactly. Yeah. Does it help your mental state? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, as you know, I, I'm a massive, <laughs> um, massive fan and advocate of writing. Have you tried, cause I'll suggest this to people that I, I have a lot of, um, a lot of followers from, um, India and Egypt. Really? Yes. Oh, okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you about that a little bit later on. Yeah. But um, basically, I think I think a lot of the reason for that followership is because there's in in some countries, and I don't know the full story on the ground, but yeah. the what I'm getting from from the people that are messaging me is basically that the 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 mental health system in some countries is not as good as in other countries. I mean, I'm not comfortable or happy with how great it is over here, Yeah. but we get, you know, free sessions with a psych- professional psychologist and yeah. I know other yeah. countries, you know, mental illness is you know, effectively demonized in some. Mm. So there's a massive spectrum. Yeah. So for, for, for people that don't have access to professional trained therapists that they can afford, yeah. I would suggest, you know, speak to therapists, counselors online if possible. Yeah. Um, but barring that, I always like to, to do a free writing thing yeah. as in get a page, write for five minutes, just whatever comes out of your head and just throw it out afterwards Yeah, because you know, the page listens. Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe, maybe you'll appreciate this sort of insight. I've been looking into, you know, a bit of a tangent, but why people get benefit from, from religions, from social groups, from all of these sort of things. Yeah. And I think one of the main benefits, you know, religiosity aside mm. is the act of confession mm. if you you know like i watched um going clear have you seen going clear i think so the scientology documentary yeah. if you haven't watched I it i think that's when i was really high on endo on the couch. <laughs> watch so, it watch it again I'm when you know watch it again yeah <laughs> but you know like so so like you know most religions have some sort of confession aspect and you know so yeah i i realized this watching the scientology documentary was yeah. that yeah scientology is terrible don't get me wrong mm. but initially the the applicants would go through basically a confession process and that would make them feel better mm. and they would attribute that to the glory of scientology mm. which then would then be used you know against them because it's a cult yeah you know but pick any religion pick any sort of social thing that helps people and mm. they are doing some sort of confession you go yeah. to a psychologist and a lot of the time you're just speaking and they're just listening yeah you know and and i suppose to be fairly sexist but the research suggests that women are better able to deal with thoughts of suicide and depression and that sort of stuff because it's culturally acceptable for women to open up and express their emotions, to debrief, to confess, to do whatever this thing is. So I take all of that and I'm like, okay, well, how can someone make particularly, you know, a, you know, 20 to 40 year old male, most Mm. at risk of suicide, female, anyone that doesn't have access to someone that they confess can talk to, you know, that sort of stuff can't go to their, their priest because, you know, they've got, different issues that doesn't gel with their religion or they don't feel comfortable. You know, there's a whole range of things why you wouldn't want to talk to an actual person. Even if you're in Australia, some people don't do it Yeah, because you know, you're talking to a person that's judging you or you might feel like that. Yeah. With all that in mind, get the piece of paper, write for five minutes and just throw it out afterwards. Burn it if you want. Yeah. Whatever, whatever works for you. Flush it ceremoniously. um, (laughs) Incinerate it. (laughs) Have you tried that sort of free writing? 
approach? I, I haven't I haven't recently. I did when I was straight out of high school as part of like I studied writing straight out of high school yeah. and it was part of one of our uh, assessments. And I I still I, I find it hard to just It is very to, hard to, to stream of consciousness writing. Um, not not I don't mean to like just to clarify, I'm not saying to to, to write anything of like literary worth down. You're not trying to write a story or write a poem or anything. No, it's literally I get that. just you could be just writing like I hate this activity yeah, right yeah, now, but yeah. that that could be the start to get you flowing. Yeah. I find it really hard. I haven't tried it recently though, so I should probably give it a shot. What about if you change it instead of writing it down to like just speaking out loud? Yeah. That's... Would you do you think that would be easier? Cuz uh, the reason I'm saying this is not not necessarily just for what you do, but I'm trying to like give suggestions to people that don't have access to yeah that sort of stuff. You know, the the therapists and stuff online are great, but yeah. multiple options are better. And I found benefit sure. from writing myself. But sure. if there's a block, <laughs> if there's a block, yeah, yeah. If you can't, if, if suppose if there's a block, does it even matter though? Yeah. If you just try and just keep going, and you'll develop that habit as well. Yeah, I, I like the. I think it was um. Was it Hemingway's piece of advice where you should stop with something to write? You should stop with you should stop knowing where you're going. I think that's for if he wants to write a novel or you're writing a. a I find gross. that with anything. Though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're if you're if it's getting late in the day and you're you're on a roll and you're halfway through a sentence and you're like, I, I like where this is going, but it's actually dinner time. I'll just stop for the day and then I'll come it's back. It's hard tomorrow. to stop. It's, it's hard. hard. It's it, hard to want to stop. It's hard to want to stop. But if you get if you get into that habit and then come back the next day with something. That's that's to some somewhere to go. It, it gives you not only do you know where you're going, so you've got 24 hours or 12 hours, or whatever, thinking about yep. where you're going. It gives you that time to add to where you're going. I think I think you can um, get overtraining in terms of writing. Like yeah. when I get in a roll, I'll just like just just binge. It's like like yeah. just just write 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 yeah. write 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 and yeah. then crash. And the next day, it's like a mental health day. Yeah, for sure. So I've, I'm very much trying to maybe I should try that approach of um trying to stop when I'm ahead and but it's like <laughs> I, I know I feel like this is you know not necessarily just writing for your own mental health, just writing you know writing fiction, writing yeah. you know blogs, writing whatever. You're on a roll. It's like let's do it. You yeah, know, exactly. like I want to get it done. Yeah, let's but get done, crush it. But. Everything comes at a cost, and if you mm-hmm. you read the spoon theory, I haven't. Oh my god! Okay, so for anyone out there, you too. Yeah. Um, just Google spoon theory, and mm-hmm. it's basically the idea that it's it's very well written, and I'm going to bastardize the the summary. But basically, every day you have a certain amount of spoons, mm-hmm. energy points, whatever, mm-hmm. and every time you do something, it takes a spoon from you or a few spoons. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's say you're having a bad mental health day, having a shower might cost you three of your ten spoons. Yeah. Okay. On a good day, it might cost you no spoons, right? Yeah, yeah. So by the end of the day, you know, like you'll you'll find that your energy starts depleting as you get less spoons. Yeah. Now it's done really well. Read the blog, but the idea, like it's it's become sort of a, a personal vernacular between my wife and I and a few of our friends that are familiar with it. And you'll when you know now you'll yeah, understand yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's basically it's like, oh hey, can you help me with this? Or what do you about think about this? And be like, oh, I don't have the spoons for that. And it's sort of just a very quick way to acknowledge that it's like, that sounds great and fun, but I, you know, even if you want to do it, I just don't have the, the energy, so to speak. Yeah, it's, nice. it's not physical energy, but it's, it's just that sort of mental stuff. Yeah. So if you push too hard, yeah. if I write for too long, if you overtrain, you're taking tomorrow's spoons for today. Yeah. Thus you need the next day to recover. Yeah. You won't, you won't be able to eat tomorrow's pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. that's a really good way of actually yeah. uh, visualizing it and, and it's read the blog and communicating it so I'll have, to, I'll have to give it i'll have to read it can't remember who who did it but um just google spoon theory and yeah. it's it's widespread it's incredible right, it's, it's it was written for um people with chronic pain but mm. it's very applicable to anyone with 
um, any sort of invisible illness like mental illness, physical yeah. pain, that sort of stuff. But I think it, it applies just as people because yeah, you know sure. everything's on a spectrum and everyone goes up and down unless you're some superhuman person. Yeah, David Goggins. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to um, wrap it up, but I just want to just touch on your most recent blog mm-hmm. if you're cool with that because yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's topical for for stuff happening in the news and I, I've got an experience you know helping in this direct direct field so if you want to give just a very brief summary of what's happening or happening and so what your take on it is and then we can discuss from there so I mean basically my, my re- most recent blog post was about the treatment of women in society Yep. Um, I actually started writing that piece as I wanted to, I wanted to be gender neutral and I wanted to write about personal safety because I think that is really important. We've both practiced different martial arts for uh, basically the entirety of our lives. Um, self-defense is really important. Um, but once it, you become aware of your personal safety, once you get to a point where you are aware, you're, you're texting your friends and family. Letting them know so let's, let's just are. give some, some context. What, what has happened? What prompted you to write the, the blog in, that happened very recently? The, the, the murder of the young woman, uh, in Princess Park in Melbourne. Yep. Uh, she was walking home, she's 22 years old, walking home from a, from a comedy gig and was raped and murdered yep. at middle of the night. And just un- after understandably that's caused a, a, com- a complete, public outcry. A public and- outcry about the, um, the, uh, attitude of our country towards women, yep. um, and gender inequality. Yeah. The main cause of that outcry was because a superintendent of Victoria Police said the same day that people should be aware of their personal safety, which is true. People should yep. be aware of their personal safety. It was a poorly timed message, pretty insensitive to say that straight after a young woman's just been raped and murdered. And if it had come from a female superintendent, I'd like to, I'd, I'd wonder how much the public outcry would have been yep. uh, if it had been similar. Um, but once you're at a point, which I believe we are as a society, where you're acutely aware of your personal safety, what more can you do? Evil's always going to be out there. There's always going to be people who are going to be raping and killing and murdering and assaulting and all that stuff. Is it going to exist, unfortunately, in our world? That's just the world we live in. So what can we do as a society to change our attitudes, educate our citizens, and minimize the impact that our attitudes have on the murder and killing of not only women, but everyone. My, my takes quite nuanced and you know, we, we were looking at it's definitely not black and white. It's not black and white. (laughs) I think like when I train people with self-defense, um, men and women alike, I would like to, what I would say is, is I would love to live in the ideal world where bad stuff doesn't happen. That's my goal, and I will advocate and push, and like you've written this piece, it's well-written, and it's pushing for, you know, basically just to help society. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you would love to move towards an ideal society, and that can be slowly, slowly pushed by education and all that stuff that we're saying. Yeah. However, we don't live in an ideal world. It's never going to be perfect. It, 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 yeah, unfortunately, it never will, and anyone that says that we can fix every problem is either lying or they're ignorant because... To, to make someone's utopia or someone else's dystopia. So if you were to make the world completely 100% safe, yeah. you're now taking away a bunch of freedoms in another aspect. For if sure. you, you know, and that, that, that same debate goes, you know, drugs legalized or not legalized. Um, yeah. How much should the government spy on you? Yeah. Yeah, like there's, there's a whole plethora of this sort of stuff. So yeah, it's the, about where you fall on that spectrum. Exactly. So my, my take on it is, is that 
for one, it's, you know, terrible and disgusting. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would love to, to feel like people could walk completely safely, safely. And there are some areas and places and parts of the world and of Melbourne and all that sort of stuff where you can, and mm-hmm. there's some parts where you can't as safely. I, um, I, I, I talked to my wife about this and we're of a similar opinion. And it's basically that we would love to and work for and push for an ideal world, but we have to live and act in the world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's fairly controversial, particularly coming from a guy, but I will teach everyone to be able to defend themselves, to be able to be aware. Mm. I've got a young son. He's, he's, a, he's a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, he, what's the biggest risk for his physical safety when he's growing up? It's, it's when he's... Like, the most chance of violence occurring for a male, from another male, like, is at a place where there's a lot of males there mm-hmm. and they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Nightclub violence, right? For sure. So, there's a couple of options I've got for him. I can either hold him back and say no. Mm-hmm. I can try and close down all the nightclubs ever. Mm-hmm. Or I can make him be aware that when he's at those places, there is an increased risk of danger because alcohol and young men creates violence. Yeah. That sure. being said, he will probably want to do that. So let's let's address all of this nuance here. Yeah. It's it's a hard one to to really dig down to without risking saying the wrong thing and that sort of quote mine approach of stepping up but i think the when when you know you get like both sides of the media saying you know all men need to do x or all women need to do y both of those approaches in my opinion are too it's 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 too black and white the the, the solution isn't to 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 say like every man should do this or sure. every woman should do yeah. that or every anything should be anything yeah there's so much nuance it could be cultural it could be um, you know, socioeconomic, it could be the yeah. impact of drugs, it could be education, it could be, you know, any number of variables that sure. I can't possibly fathom. Yeah. To and say... I, I agree with you to a degree that it's it's counter it's counterproductive for the media to say all men or all women, mainly because when you say all men, for some reason, the, us as men take it personally. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it happens for women as well. But... I was definitely in the not all men camp until very recently because when someone would say all men do X, I'd be like, but I don't. So how do all men do that? And it's not about, it's not about all men specifically, like all men individually. It's about where we're at as a society. You've got to play the majority. Like the average male or? The average male. To say that the average male doesn't in some way, obviously the average male doesn't sexually harass, abuse, rape and kill. Uh, but I can guarantee that I have sat there silent while I've had friends make jokes about sexual harassment or being in a club where a mate's hit on a girl and probably gotten a little too physical or anything like that. So if the majority at this point is male violence against women, if that's the majority of where domestic violence or sexual violence is coming from, we've got to target that. We've got to minimize that first and then talk about... Uh, I, see, I see the approach you're saying... Yeah. I, I, I like, I'll, I'll maybe give me this analogy. Maybe yeah. I look at, um, militant vegans pushing everyone to be a complete vegan from the start. Yeah. And I look at that and go, you've got no chance of doing that because it's too much of a massive jump. For sure. And my approach would be like, well, why don't you instead push people towards more ethical eating, more, you know, organic farming, more, you know, humane quote unquote yeah. practices. Their response is 
but you know the animals are still dying mm. and the counter to that is is yeah but you, if you want to get to the ultimate goal of everyone being vegan mm. then you have to slowly 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 work the society there exactly. is, that, is that sort of what you're that's saying that's exactly what i'm saying so yeah. you've got to slowly educate men and break down those walls of not all men yep um and we've got to hold us as individuals have to hold everyone accountable if we all want to live the same if- safe if you if you see something happening, make yeah, it happen. Exactly, it's got. We've got to be living in, in a world not just for women or just for men, but for everyone. Yeah. Uh, for for LGBTQI people, for children, like the biggest risk at the moment when it comes to physical violence and safety is to women and children. Yeah. So we've got to educate ourselves and address the attitudes towards women and children before we fix other things in in relation to domestic violence or rape. Yes, domestic violence, men on men, women against men. Uh, there's a distinct way in which there's cert- one certain group that in general does things to one other certain group. Exactly. Yes. Like that's the statistic right now. Yeah. So we need to, we need to I, address that. I, I very much appreciate a statistic-based approach. Yeah. I think I think it comes down to a specific and a nuance. The problem is this with the news media, unless you have like a longer form discussion like we mm. are now, and unless you can sit down and talk with people, you get the sound bites of like, well, if, you know, how can you disagree with... You know, you should teach men not to rape. If you mm. say no, I disagree with that statement because of. Mm. You, you don't get to say the because of because no. now you are just an absolute you just asshole. With that statement. It's yeah, terrible. Exactly. But I do agree with that statement. However, how do you go about that? How do you exactly. how do you get that approach? And that not all men thing. I, I whenever anyone lumps a group of people together, there's that risk of people stepping back and going. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a part of that, or I don't do that. And then now you've initially created this division of this us versus them narrative, yeah. and this happens in every mm. in every field. So, like right now, it's topical with with this subject, but it's it's topical with you know with with mental health, with yeah, for sure. with 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 every topic. It becomes this you know left and right wing. Yeah, and in relation yeah. to this particular situation, when you do lump all men, men in together. Men do get scared. Men are afraid to talk up because they don't want to be. They don't want to be called out. They're scared of being called out. They they don't want to be the guy who gets harassed or the guy who's who's like breaking with the herd. Mm. Um, and men are, men are scared to defend themselves. This, like, this, they don't want to be that not all men guy. There's so much stigma that comes in with all this, and there's so much nuance that needs to be in play. Yeah, I know of a couple of instances of guys being falsely accused of rape. Mm-hmm. And I know of a couple of instances of females being sexually assaulted by their partners, mm-hmm. both of which it's, it's just, it's a tricky, it's tricky situations that require so much more nuance than the typical soundbite, yeah, sound-based sure. approach. Yeah. All of this in mind, mm. I'll suggest, what, what did you call the blog? Um, consider your personal... Consider your personal safety. Consider your personal safety. So yeah. what I'll do, maybe I'll link to that blog post. Yeah, sure. Um, Please do. And then from there you can read about your spinal surgery yeah. and um, what was the other one you posted? Uh, the other one was basically about why I'm doing this. Um, yes. Only because I had a bunch of questions about why, why would you start a blog? It's so narcissistic. I was like, yeah, but it's not, it's not about me. It's about working through things personally. So, you know, I, I read something, some, I can't remember the quote, but it was something along the lines of like, that's all been said before. Yes, but it hasn't been said by you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you'll have your own, your own thing. So maybe um, we'll, we'll finish up here, but defer the, um, the further discussion on the you know the violence against women that sort of stuff mm. to to um have a read of your blog check it out contact yeah. you if you want if you have anything to say post in the comments give me a message do what you like hundred yeah. percent I I would just say that um for me personally I would suggest that everyone 
just takes a realistic look at the world and, and not from, from, from both perspectives as in realistically look at what your risks are, but also how not risky life is Mm. because when something like this happens, you know, don't get me wrong. I've been the victim of, you know, sexual assault from older people when I was young. So I am in this sense, a victim in this as well. However, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the news and go, Oh my God, everything's terrible. However, what I try and suggest and what I try and do myself is to be aware of all of the stuff that's happening, but then look at my own life and see what's actually happening in my life. Yeah. So prepare for the worst, prepare for the real world, mm-hmm. do what you need to do, but step back, detach, meditate on it and go, well, what is my life actually like? Am I actually stressed? Am I actually okay? How am yeah. I actually feeling right now? Who in my life is in danger and has been you know, impacted? Yeah. And that will give you a balanced approach to look at what you need to sort of prepare for. Yeah. And, you know, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, those sort of things, but also what's actually happening in your life and not being projected to you by a fear-mongering, you know, 24-hour news cycle that's like, fear this, watch this, fear this, watch this. The way I like to look at it is is with your front door, essentially. So, like, when I'm inside my house, I'm going to be doing my own thing. I'm going to be worrying about me. I'll, I'll be working on my own problems. As soon as I open the door and step outside, I've got the world to deal with. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's just the way I look chuck, at it. Chuck a lock on your door and you're fine. <laughs> in, in theory, yeah. <laughs> okay, just very quickly. Um, favorite book? Oh, Jesus. Old Man in the Sea, I guess. Which one's that, sorry? Old Man in the Sea. Old I Man in the Sea. I've not heard of that. It's Hemingway. Hemingway. I, I'm not... I think that's what it's called. I hope that's what it's mm-hmm. called. That's embarrassing. Look at that on the spot. Not, yeah. I, I try to read, you know, the classics and yeah. like, I get a, like, I've got a few friends that like, like, oh, you should read this. You should read that. And my brother's reading like Anna Karenova and I've got a mate that's reading, a, um, that's a task. the, the Dante's Inferno and yeah. all these sort of things. And I'm just like, I just, oh, I can't yeah. like I, that style of writing. I just, I can't gel with, I've, I've got, I'm going away to Japan soon and I'm yeah. going to take, um, war and peace with me. Wow. Um, okay. Because I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to Japan, then I'm going to Russia. Yeah. So I'm like, whilst in Russia, I'll get the, uh, you know, the Russian reading done. Right? Just <laughs> yeah. Have a bit of, bit of cultural experience yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll push through it and report back. But Yeah, I loved Hemingway as a, as a, as a young man, which is typical of a young man. Um, so, and that book's just always been that. And I love Steinbeck as well. And there's one book in particular, but I can't remember the title. Metamorphosis? No, that's no, Kafka. It, okay. Um, I've, I've read some... um, what was he? He was had a really f- oh, of mice and men, of course. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love of mice and men as well. But yeah, school I mean, school forced you to read though. Oh, probably. Yeah, but I it's actually, it's, it's I the school. Really, yeah, I actually really liked it. Okay, last one. Movies. Favorite movie. Fifth Element. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fifth Element. Yeah, yeah. All right. On that note, we'll, we'll call it. So, All if right. people want to contact you, um, tobydcar.com. I'll put a link down below, and you're on social at tobydcar. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Correct. Yeah. Thanks for thanks, thanks for having me, my dude. Cheers. Done. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to show your appreciation, there's a couple of things that you could do. The best thing would be to review it wherever you're listening to it. So chuck us that five-star review, explain why you like it, explain how it's helping you, explain why you're enjoying it, and share it with people. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. If you share my work or any work that's about mental health, mental illness, and recovery stigma reduction, it says to the world that you are someone that's comfortable talking about that sort of stuff. This will help other people to see that you're comfortable talking about it and they may come to you if they need that support. So review review this podcast online, share it around. And if you really want to support me, 
I would love if you could check out my Patreon. Patreon's a way that people can provide a monthly contribution to support the content creators that are doing stuff that they enjoy. All I'm asking for is $1 per month. $1 per month on your end is basically unnoticeable, but if a bunch of you get together on my end, it'll make up a massive difference. It'll mean that I'll be able to produce more podcasts like this one, I'll be able to do more videos, write more books, and just get more content out there. The reason I like this approach is that it's it's a small way of giving back to people that are putting out that content for free that you're consuming. Like I said, I'm going to keep putting this out for free, but if you want to give me something back and you can afford that $1 per month, please check me out, patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. I'll put the link to that below. And if you haven't already, I need to mention once again my two books. My first one, Under the Influence, that's the story of my childhood. Basically, I share what it was like growing up as the son of an addict, paranoid schizophrenic, chronic hoarder, and a drug dealer for a father. In it, I share those sort of more poignant and embarrassing and traumatic moments. I wrote it as an act of therapy, but I'm sharing it as an act of sort of stigma reduction and trying to help people who are or who have gone through a similar childhood to mine. The second book that I've released is called Upgrade. It's a short sci-fi anthology, basically 11 short stories in the same universe where I look into a sci-fi dystopic future where humans have integrated with technology and in this future basically i've set it up so the human so humans have diverted into two separate species almost those who integrate with technology and sort of become one with technology and those who prefer to stay natural as in non-integrated it's a good read i'm pretty proud of it i'll put the links to that below but like i said just any comments um any comments ideas anything you want me to talk about please let me know via social media at zach p Phillips. That's Z-A-C-P-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, Vero, Pinterest, YouTube, everywhere. Thank you.